Welcome to the chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 116 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter, threads, and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I could not be doing better, Shane Half. Philly's biggest win of the season, Nick Castellanos, home run in the top of the ninth inning to go ahead. But let's talk some NFCs. Let's talk some football. But it, it could have went two ways. It could have been angry, Mark, coming on this podcast, or it could be happy, Mark. And it's happy, Mark. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When you when you said, can we push back 20 minutes so the Phillies game will end? I was like, sure. And then I kind of checked the score on my phone. And when they won, I was like, yes, I get happy Mark tonight. <laughs> so, all right. So what we are doing tonight, as we're reaching into our bag of things we can talk about until this season finally starts, we're going to a division that Mark and I are very familiar with, and it is the NFC East. And so last week we drafted all under 25 teams along with dives. This week we're going to draft NFC East teams against each other. So if the NFC East is not your division and you're not interested in this podcast at all, we'll be back to whole NFL stuff next week, but stick around. I think you'll enjoy some of the conversations about some of these guys, names that are very recognizable. And so just like last week, we'll be drafting towards 11 personnel, nickel defense. Uh, we will snake draft it, which without a third person just means it's two picks in a row, basically, after the first round. And we have a randomizer here to spin for the first pick. So we will spin for the pick, and then we'll just get started. So here we go. And... Looks like I will be bringing home Jalen Hurts. I mean, the first pick in this draft. So I never, I, I'm, I'm never going to win one of these things. These random. You might, ideas. you might never. So uh, that'll give me the first pick, and then Mark will start our wraparound. So I'm going to go off the top here. I'm going to take Jalen Hurts. Uh, he almost doubled the EPA per play of Dak Prescott last year. Uh, his turnover-worthy play rate was only 1.8 compared to Dak's 3.8%. Uh, he had 25 passing touchdowns and 13 rushing touchdowns versus only six interceptions, while Dak Prescott had the notable 17 interceptions. Uh, quarterback's the most important position, and while Dak is good, Jalen's the best guy in the division. So, Jalen, come on down. Yeah, yeah, it's the obvious pick there. Um, it definitely, definitely gives you a huge, huge leg up here. Um, taking a look around at just what has the biggest advantage and it's a weird spot to start out with and it's a Homer spot to start out with, I guess. Uh, but I'll, I'll go with Jason Kelsey at, at center. It seems like that's the widest gap from one to two, um, anywhere else. And anyone who doesn't know, like, why am I not just going to take a quarterback? Well, Shane can't take a quarterback now. So there's no need for me to take a quarterback until the end of the draft where I will eventually be taking Dak Prescott. So Jason Kelsey's my first pick here. Dak Prescott will be playing right tackle for me just to spite you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a bad strategy. <laughs> Force me with Daniel Jones, um, who Sean Bernard, my one of my uh, off my I, I guess he's my co-host on my radio show. Um, on Fox PHL. Wait, wait a minute. You guess he's your co-host. You don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. this? laughs> so, yeah. So it's funny. He started out being like, so he was a frequent guest and then he does a lot of the social media work um, at the gambler. So I started having him just come in for the show and that was supposed to just be for the NBA playoffs. And it turned into now he just comes every show. We haven't officially labeled him my co-host or said any, like his name's not on the show, which it probably should be at this point. Um, but I guess my co-host. So if he's listening, he just found out too. Um, just got a promotion. Yeah, yeah. Sean Bernard, he's he's a basketball guy, but he's a big football fan. And I, I didn't know, I didn't realize how big of a football fan he was. And he debuted a hot take this week on the show where he said he'd rather have Daniel Jones than Dak Prescott. On a scale of one to ten, how crazy of a hot take is that for you, Shane? Which one's the craziest? Ten. A ten, like yeah, I, yeah, I think it's crazy too. So it's funny we put out a poll about it, and it was shocking how much support Jones got. 
it ended up being like 60 40 yes this is a crazy take but there was a lot of people responding like oh i think they're about the same and i'm like what are we what are we doing like there's there's some there's some eagles bias and yeah. hate Dak prescott because he's the cowboys quarterback there i mean not to turn this into a Dak show but I, I think Dak for pretty much the entirety of his career has been like a fringe top 10 quarterback. And I think that's still where he's at. He's nine. I mean, we did our QB ranking show. I think I had him like 10th or something like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, the 17 interception, the stat is wild that he led the NFL in turnovers last year while missing like six games or whatever, yeah. but that's not been his career. It's a year and I don't, I expect that to change. So not to turn it into a Dak show, but yeah, I think that's wild. And I'm actually, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but let me stick on the offensive line Ooh. and the first three players are Eagles off the board here. So give me Lane Johnson. Um, I want to have the best at a couple of positions. So now I legitimately feel like I at least have the best center and the best offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few stats here. Jason Kelsey was eighth in pass block win rate last year and third in run block win rate. He allowed zero sacks on the season, which, by the way, should sound familiar number because Lane Johnson also allowed zero sacks. He has not allowed a sack since week 11 of the 2020 season. Uh, he was first among tackles in pass block win rate. A total, total complete beast uh, on the offensive line there. So, Two Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think those are great picks. So, uh, and I'm real, angry that you took them. Real quick, will Lane Johnson get in the Hall of Fame, or will some of the missed time and the suspension? Do you think any of that'll hurt him, or do you think he will get into the Hall of Fame? He was, you know, a key cog of a Super Bowl team, another team that went to another Super Bowl. Obviously, this year there's heavy expectations on them to accomplish. So, uh, do you think he gets kind of held out because he missed a lot of time? I don't think so. What? When was the ten? When was the the ten game suspension? Was that twenty sixteen? Yeah, it was in that range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was, I'm looking at it now. It's twenty sixteen. Every year since twenty sixteen, he's played. He's gone 15, 15, 12, 7, 13, 15 games. So he's been pretty durable since then. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about six years now of sustained all pro play uh it, he's been remarkably good after the suspension he owned the suspension uh and he's he's not been in trouble since so i think he probably makes it into the hall of fame although i know he has said that he should not make the hall of fame really yeah he said that he said that he does he shouldn't be in the hall of fame because of the suspension basically oh he needs to stop saying that or else they'll believe him and he'll believe him yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that anymore. So, okay, that puts me on the clock four two here. Uh, I went so heavy on offensive line last time around. I know what I let you do here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about doing something here, but I'm not sure if I want to do it yet. And I'm going to uh, give me. Micah Parsons yeah. be my first pick. And you can go ahead and also give me Hassan Reddick. Oh, you're a real, you're a real scumbag for doing that <laughs> and going that far. That's, I didn't think I was leaving you to do that, but oh, wow. All right. I see how it is. So I'm not sure how, I guess I'm playing. Uh, I'll play, I guess out of those two, Micah Parsons plays like hand in the dirt and Hassan Reddick's kind of like your stand up edge. Yeah. So uh, I think they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they can figure it out. Micah Parsons was first in pass rush win rate last year. Uh, Hassan Reddick had 87 pressures. Micah Parsons had 106 pressures. They combined uh, for 34 sacks last year. So I feel pretty good about that, too. Yeah, I could see why. Um, all right. These drafts do get really interesting when like you for sure get two picks in a row. And yeah. instead like last time I was sitting in the middle and I would pick once and then two picks would happen then I would pick once. You can do some creative things. I definitely thought I was getting Reddick and assumed you were going to take Parsons and I assumed you were going to take an Eagles receiver. So if you just went bang bang there, I might as well go bang bang here. Give me AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Right, right off the bat here. I know they work together pretty well there. 
Um, so I, I'm I'm starting with four Eagles on the offense, and none of them are Jalen Hurts, so that's not a great recipe. But um, yeah, I, I this is mainly about uh, honestly the way I'm drafting here has a lot more to do with the positions and how I rank the positions and how deep each position is than it does to do with um, necessarily me just making a list of the best players, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of position. That's not the exercise here. So once I missed out on Jalen, I'm kind of just trying to collect the best possible resources at the l- lowest asset rich positions. Yeah. That's where maybe I got a little too far over my skis with the Parsons Reddick pick. I don't know. Cause no. edge is deep, but yeah. I was like Parsons is legitimately probably the best edge rusher in the NFL. But if I take him and left you Reddick, then, you know, I think they're close enough. So yeah, decided to double dip for both there. We'll see if that turns out to bite me at the end. So, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I think it's, a, I think it's a good thing that you did it. Cause I, I would have definitely taken Reddick, but I, uh, I do think it says a lot that, and we're obviously a little bit biased and I'm sure if there was a Cowboys fan watching this, they like threw their computer out the window and they see that six of the first seven picks are Eagles. And I don't think that that's bias. Like I, I think that these are six of the 10 best players, at least in the, in the conference, but AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, I've said it. I think that there's a chance by the end of the year that we're saying that Smith is the best receiver on the Eagles. Um, I think there's a chance that he's the more important receiver to the Eagles, even if AJ Brown's the more home run hitting and the more kind of make or break guy and the guy who can kind of turn a close game into a blowout a a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I think that Smith has almost become a little underrated because of Brown in the last year. Like people are like, Oh, they finally gave Hertz some weapons um, this season. It's like, well, they had, they had Smith the year before. He wasn't working with nothing like, you know, Wentz was the year before that. So, um, yeah, th- I feel pretty good about my start here. I, I think we'll, we'll figure out defense. Who, who needs it? Who needs it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to keep the train of Eagles pass catchers rolling here. Give me Quez Watkins. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Dallas Goddard. Uh, it's yeah. another another one of those things where I think there's a, there's a gap uh, when it comes to the skill positions here. Uh, now, obviously, I mean, not to spoil anything, but you're going to take Darren Waller later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's had some good years. He's coming off a really bad year. But Dallas Goddard, I think, is legitimately – I think he's a top three tight end in the NFL. I think that he brings things to the table in terms of blocking that none of the other elite tight ends do. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, these guys, they don't bring that blocking that he has. And I think he's – Honestly, and maybe you call me a little biased, but I think he is like 95% of the receiver that Travis Kelsey is. He just plays with A.J. Brown. He plays with Devonta Smith. Travis Kelsey played with Juju Smith-Schuster last year. I mean, I think that in if the scenario were different, I think if you saw, you know, heaven forbid, A.J. Brown go down this year, I think you would see Dallas Goddard explode in terms of his targets and things. So, uh, and not like he didn't last year. He had 71 receptions for 843 yards and four touchdowns, uh, 11.9 yards per reception. That was still missing. I think it was four games. So uh, I love Dallas Goddard. I- I've loved Dallas Goddard for a long time. Uh, and we'll keep the Eagles train rolling there. It's an interesting conversation because, uh, it's a big fantasy conversation right now in terms of where do you rank the Eagles pass catchers because there's so many of them Uh, and Dallas Goddard is going to get drafted as a top six, seven ish tight end in fantasy this year, AJ Brown being drafted as a top six or seven ish receiver in fantasy this year, Devontae Smith being drafted around the number 12 or 13 receiver among, among, uh, among fantasy this year. So you look at that, and they're three of the top, I don't know, 25 to 30 pass catchers that come off the board in a fantasy draft. Is there enough target share to make that make those three guys worth it? Or do all three suffer because of the existence of each other? And you, the fun, a fun stat that I heard today, actually, the Eagles, by a wide margin, completed and targeted the least passes at their running back in 2022 in the NFL. It just wasn't a part. And in 2021, they were also very low. It just wasn't a part of Sirianni's offense. And it hasn't been or Steichen's, whatever you want to say. 
the interesting thing coming out of camp, I'm not, he's not going to get drafted. So DeAndre Swift is being used as a heavy receiver. Mm-hmm. So now that's another guy that's another mouth to feed in, in the offense. And I think that that can eat away at Goddard's kind of how incredible he's been in the screen game. I think some of those screens are now probably going to go to Swift and it'll be a little bit of a different play diagnosis, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens if they all stay healthy. And if all of their numbers kind of suffer last year, Goddard did have a stretch that he missed a little time, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it was four games. I can double check that. And I'm pretty sure if you look at those four games, I'm pretty sure Brown and Smith, especially Smith, because I've heard it referenced a lot on fantasy pods. I'm pretty sure Smith was out of this world while Goddard was out. He was the big benefactor. Um, But I think both of them kind of benefited a lot there. So um, yeah, it's just an interesting fantasy conversation. Uh, I kind of come out on the end of leaning away from Goddard this year because of that Swift factor. I think some of the intermediate work will take, will get taken from Swift. I think that'll eat into Goddard more than it'll eat into Brown or Smith. That's more of a fantasy conversation. I thought it was interesting to bring up though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now I get, I got one more pick here before you get to, and I'm going to make my first offensive line pick here. Uh, Give me Zach Martin to play right guard. I think Zach Martin is, let me make sure I put him on my team, not yours. Uh, Zach Martin's phenomenal. I think he's the best right guard in the NFL. Third in pass block win rate among offensive guards last year. He also allowed zero sacks and he only committed one penalty. Like I threw out the zero sacks allowed by Lane Johnson, zero sacks allowed by Jason Kelsey. They allowed, they committed eight and nine penalties respectively. Zach Martin, Zero sacks, only one penalty. So I think there's a pretty big gap to the next best right guard in the division. Uh, We'll see if you pick who I think you're going to, or who I would pick as the second guy when you get there. But uh, Zach Martin, come on down. Give me a second cowboy. I can't believe I'm going to do this and I'm going to take a running back right now. Ooh. But I do think he's one of the three to five best running backs in football. So I'll take Saquon Barkley, even though I'm not happy to do it. Um, I don't think we're really taking contracts into consideration here. So I think it's fine. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, there's another guy you could argue and I'm curious. I'm sure you'll take him. Um, He's definitely been really efficient per touch, but Saquon is such a huge factor in the passing game as well. And he's actually been a good blocker as well. So um, Saquon, uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to take here and I'll just, you know, I'll keep it coming with Eagles on the offense. I just, uh, this is now six straight picks to start my draft on offense. I'm going to go with Jordan Mailata because I think the fourth offensive tackle is a big drop off. There's a real, there's three really good ones. Shane's going to end up with Andrew Thomas as one of his two offensive tackles. And I'm curious to see what he does at the other one. Cause I think it's a conversation of a bunch of Cowboys that you kind of have to sort through. Um, so, or, taking a chance on a young giant. So uh, that's an interesting conversation, but I, uh, I'm happy to take my lotta. All right. Well, I was about to take Andrew Thomas when it got back to me, but there's no need to do that now. So uh, give me Landon Dickerson. I think there's also a really big gap. It's funny. You've got tackles in a center and I've got guards, uh, but <laughs> Landon Dickerson was incredible last year. Second in pass block win rate, first in run block win rate, only allowed one sack. Uh, he's just a total stud. Uh, there's Yeah, there's other options. Uh, uh, there's some other options maybe if you look around the division, but he he's such a good pick. football player. He would have been your next pick. Yeah. yeah, I can't let you have the entire Eagles offensive line. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a bad look. So I get Stoutland too if that happens too, so you're in trouble. <laughs> well, we're making sure that didn't happen. So now I get to sit here. We should have drafted coaches and coordinators. We should have. I didn't think of it. It'd be interesting to talk about how high coaches and coordinators would go. Maybe that's yeah. a, at the end of the pod thing. So, yeah. Okay. I don't need a running back. I don't need to take tackles or a center yet. So I'm either wide receiver or defense. And on defense, everything is wide open right now. Um, You know, this is one of those that I don't think there's a, I don't think he's a great football player, but I think there's not a lot here. I'm going to go to linebacker and give mm. me Bobby Okereke yeah. uh, from the Giants. I think I think he is like an above average starting 
linebacker in a division where there's not above average starting linebackers. So uh, I'll take him, and that'll put you back on the clock for two here. Yeah, those were my next two picks for sure. Hmm. That that's, This puts me in a tough spot here. I'm going to go a little nuts here, and I'm going to go with a guy who I did last time with Devontae Smith in our under-25 draft, and he played in the slot last year. I'll take CeeDee Lamb. Um, since you haven't taken a receiver, that's almost just like a to spite you pick <laughs> to try to hurt your receiver depth um, because those were my two picks. Landon Dickerson and Okariki were definitely uh, my two picks. Hmm. I'll take James Bradbury to start my defense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think he's the best corner and there's a lot of good options though. So, uh, but I think he's the best corner. I'm considerably higher on him than Slay as we've talked about in the past. Um, So I, I think I'm I'm happy to take him as the CB one here. In the eighth round, Mark takes his first defensive player. (laughs) We build through the offense, apparently. I respect it. Okay. Man. As I sit here and look at this, <clears throat> there's a guy that I want to take, but there's a lot of guys at this position, but I've got to take him. Uh, give me Dexter Lawrence for the interior uh, defensive line. I mean, he was number four in pass rush win rate. I- I'm talking about Dexter Lawrence, so I've got to mention my favorite stat. In 2022, he generated 29 pressures from a zero technique, which was 21 more than any other player. Uh, He ended the year with seven and a half sacks, generating pressures and sacks from a position where people just can't do that. And by the way, he's a phenomenal run defender. So uh, give me Dexter Lawrence on my interior defensive line. Don't make, don't steal my pick. And then give me what Eagles player are you after now? Um, you know, I'm just going to do it because there's only one other decent linebacker in the division. Give me Jamin Davis to be my second linebacker. Uh, Davis was awful as a rookie in 2021. In 2022, he bounced back. He actually played uh, decently well. I, I don't think he was worthy of a first round pick. You know, we talked a little bit off air, but I think Jamin Davis is trending in the right direction. And to be honest, linebacker is just kind of a wasteland in this division. So, Jamin Davis. Give me the right team, but not the right defender. I'm going with Cameron Curl. Ooh, at I love Cam Curl. Who actually finished as the number two safety on PFF last year. Um, which, it, it, by the way, Curl is spelled with a C. Um, Shane, I'm the, rel- I'm the resident corrector of Shane's spelling here. Um, but the funny thing that I like to bring up that Cameron Curl stat to point out, uh, because I pointed it out last week on the under 25 draft, and I might just point it out on every single podcast we do until the season uh, so that every person that listens to the pod can hear it. Kyle Hamilton finished as the number one safety on PFF grades last year as a rookie, as the highest graded rookie PFF safety of all time, and the first ever rookie to finish first in the position overall for a full season um, at the safety position. So th- this is a roundabout way for me to, to praise Kyle Hamilton. Um, shout out, go Irish. Uh, let's look at my next pick here. And this is where it gets tough. This is where I might turn into a bit of a homer and you haven't taken a corner yet. Yeah. Let's, let's team them back up. I'm not even the biggest Darius big play slay guy necessarily. I think he gets a little bit overrated by the fan base and has benefited from Gannon's scheme in terms of lining him up so far uh, from the line of scrimmage, but I'll do the same thing. We'll, we'll run, we'll run the scheme where we line him up far from the line of scrimmage and Bradbury on the other side helps a ton curl over top helps a ton. We're building through the secondary. All right. Well, I was going to go cornerback and I was actually going to double dip at cornerback and I still am. Yeah, Slay was not one of those guys. Give me Stephon Gilmore and Trevon yeah. Diggs. It's fair. Um, I I think it's an interesting discussion to have about how you would rank safeties in the division right now. I you think mean corners. Or, yeah, sorry. What did I say? 
you said safeties, but yeah, it's it's personal preference. Yeah. So I I I, I had I have Slay fourth. I I have him behind Bradbury, Gilmore, and Diggs. Among those top three, it's so tough. I think I have Gilmore one. I think I would go Gilmore one, Bradbury two, Diggs three, Slay four. But man, you don't have to crush your eyes very hard to look at it in a different way. They're all four really good. Uh, the top three are really good. I think Slay's starting to fall off, but I think he's still a good player. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that you went corner and I was going to go corner, but you didn't take the one I was going to get. Yeah, honestly, part of it was to team up Bradbury and Slay since that worked so well. Um, I would probably take Diggs over Slay in a vacuum. Um, I think I would take Slay over Gilmore. I feel like Gilmore, what's their ages at this point? Gilmore's got to be a little older than Slay. Am I incorrect, actually, there? I could be. Slay could be older. I know he's in his low 30s. Uh, Gilmore turns 33 in September. Slay's probably like 31, 32. And Darius Slay turns... 33 in january so he's like slays like four months younger yeah okay i i did i do kind of feel like gilmore maybe it's just because he was on a team that stunk i feel like gilmore is a little bit more long in the tooth than slay at this point um but i do think Diggs was probably the correct pick over slay to be honest all right well that puts you on the clock for two here uh what are you thinking so one pick I'm going to make, even though it's not necessarily the right pick, but it's a position that we are both still drafting at. I'm going right back to corner, and I'm taking one of the best slot corners in the league, and health isn't a factor here, so give me Avante Maddox. I mean, this is just stupid how many Eagles I have at this point. <laughs> um, I guess you have a good amount, too. It just goes to show how many Eagles there are. But, um, and then, you know, making a decision between which defensive position to go for here that you don't have already. I'll take. Hmm. I'll take Jonathan Allen. Okay. I was Can hoping you... that's the direction you went. Uh, I, I don't like to hear that. Well, but... not, not because of Jonathan Allen, just between. I, Jonathan Allen and uh, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne and Leonard Williams are really hard for me to stack up. There's another guy you could put in that conversation too, if you want to project a bit. Yeah, that's true. Jalen Carter as well. So there, those guys were really tough for me to stack up. So I knew I wanted Lawrence and I was kind of fine with letting you pick after that. Yeah. Jonathan Allen has been really tremendous on both sides. Like he's really good against the run, really good against the pass. Um, he has had, you know, eight sacks, six sacks. He had a down year in 2020, which is weird. Cause wasn't that like their division winning year? Yeah. Um, that's strange. Um, he had a down year a nine, with, with nine wins or eight wins or whatever. Yeah. It was. Yeah. He had a down year. I guess that, that might've just been chase young was getting the sacks while he was getting the hurries. Who knows? But eight sacks, six sacks, two sacks, nine sacks, seven and a half sacks. But from D tackle to have, you know, 16 and a half sacks over the last two years while being an elite run stuffer. Uh, I th- I do think Allen's pretty clearly number two in the division for me. Yeah, he, he ranked ninth last year in pass rush win rate among interior defensive linemen. So uh, definitely a stud player there. Uh, so I'm going to all we share is a defensive line spot and safety. So I'm going to double dip at safety here. Uh, I'll take Xavier McKinney. As my first safety, I love Cam Curl. I'm sad that you took him. Uh, for years, I've like taken Cam Curl in every one of these, and I always thought I was higher on him than anybody else. So I might have let him slip too far, but uh, I'll take Xavier McKinney, who hasn't been like phenomenal. He's got the name recognition. He's a solid player, and again, kind of like linebacker safety is a little thin. Uh, and then I'll take Malik Hooker as my other safety. So. That'll put you back on the clock. And the only thing that we still share in common is that one defensive line spot. Yeah. So I guess I have to go there with my, with my one pick and. Hmm. The question is, is he going to take Jalen Carter? No, nah, I'll take Leonard Williams. I'll take <laughs> Leonard Williams just to not to let's not go overboard here. 
If 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 Leonard Williams wasn't as good as Leonard Williams is, I would do it because I think that Jalen Carter has a good chance at being, you know, an absolute difference maker at the position in a way that only a few are. But he was Leonard Williams. I always go back to 2020 on such a bad team. He had 11 and a half sacks and he was like an exciting player to watch on a team that did not have exciting players to watch. Um, 2021, he was really good. Last year, he was really good against the run. Didn't really make an impact in in terms of sacks, but um, he got paid an absolute ton this offseason, and he deserved it. So Leonard Williams, my one pick there. And then I guess – He did have a lot of pressures, though. He racked up 42 pressures, even though he only had four sacks, and he was 10th in run-stop win rate. So really solid run defender who can still affect the game, even if he didn't finish a lot of sacks last year. Yeah, that's totally true. And then at this point, it doesn't really matter what the order is. So just put Dak Prescott in there at quarterback. Daniel Jones. Yeah, Samuel Howe. (laughs) Okay. Well. By the uh, way, if we want to talk NFC's quarterbacks, do we want to talk about Marcus Mariota's camp interception struggles? No. Because I. I, I do not care if a quarterback throws <laughs> interceptions in training. Actually, this was something we just talked about on Birds of the Roundtable because somebody asked. I don't ever care. Training camp's the time you try stuff. But also, like, think about the Eagles' second-team defensive line against their second-team offensive line and how big of a mismatch that is. And think of think of the Eagles' second-team like corners, Zach McPherson, Keely Ringo, against their second-team receivers. So I'm not concerned at all. No, I'm not. I'm not concerned either. I just thought it was a funny thing to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll start filling in here on offense. Uh, I'll go Tony Pollard for my running back. You know, it was honestly a tough call for me between Pollard and Saquon. Uh, Pollard had more yards per attempt last year, 5.2 versus 4.6. And now he didn't have the same volume, but he had enough volume to rush for 1,100 yards. So he also had... yards after contact per attempt, which is a yard more than Saquon Barkley at 2.75. So uh, I'm high on Tony Pollard. Now, I don't know what their offense is going to look like this year, but I think Tony Pollard has a chance to be, you know, a top 10 back for sure, top eight back this year uh, in the NFL. So I'll take Pollard there. And then uh, I'll go ahead and fill in one of my receivers. Give me Terry McLaurin. I, I kind of so I had Terry McLaurin ranked above CD Lamb. That's crazy. Uh, slightly. Or no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. I had Terry McLa- I had Terry McLaurin ranked above Devonta Smith. That's, that's so what- crazy. <laughs> that's but crazy. I, I love Terry McLaurin. I, I think Terry McLaurin and Devonta Smith are roughly similar players. I think if you gave Terry McLaurin Jalen Hurts that he would have a lot better numbers than he does. Not not better than Devontae, but, does, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Harry McLaurin last year, 77 there, receptions for 1,200 yards, 15.5 yards per reception, playing with Sam Howell, Carson Wentz, like all the garbage, Taylor Heineke that they had trotting out at quarterback. I've always been really impressed with McLaurin. I like McLaurin a lot. There's always the argument also that he's like so by far the number one target in that offense that even though that you you he doesn't get the benefit of a good quarterback, he gets such a lion's share of the targets. I don't think he's on Smith and Lamb and Brown's level, but I think he's probably like the twelfth or thirteenth best receiver in football. But I think those three guys are top ten receivers. So that's just that I, I had to chime in since we don't often disagree anymore on this pod. I had to I had to throw that out. All right, all right. So yeah, so when CD was left, I contemplated taking CD. But then I was like, he's just going to take McLaurin. And I don't feel like I'm that much better off with CD and the other guys versus McLaurin and the other guys. And I didn't want to double dip at receiver yet because there was other stuff. So I just left it. Because like, if I take one, he's going to take the other. And I didn't really gain anything. <laughs> so, Am I okay, up? you're up now. I guess we can fill them in, but we can keep alternating back and forth here. So give me, give me two guys for you. Yeah, tight end, you can fill in Darren Waller there. Um, who's the third best tight end in this division? Is it like Bellinger? Is Bellinger still the backup on the Giants? Like, yeah, maybe uh, you could, if you're projecting, I guess you could try to talk yourself into Luke Schoonmaker, who maybe yeah. he gets some. Yeah, I mean, he's not good, but 
he might get like if you're talking fantasy maybe he's the third best tight end in the division but yeah i mean it's, yeah he he's waller's a good tight he had a bad year in 2022 but who didn't in las vegas i mean he had back-to-back thousand yard seasons in 2019 and 2020 so he's not that far removed from being really good no definitely not um i mean his his coach was like giving away his wedding location and giving away his wedding date and stuff he was you know it was, it's a it was violation josh mcdaniel's just a bad guy he he turns everybody into into bums so um let's go to offensive guard here and i'm going to take tyler smith uh from dallas uh i i think tyler smith was probably the guy that you could you could argue you could use him as your offensive tackle too yeah, like that's, that, that's kind of the conversation but um he is going to play guard going forward with Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith taking on the tackle spots. Um, Tyron Smith was really bad last year, like when he played at the end of the year. So that's the one kind of, I, I feel like Tyler Smith's going to end up playing tackle again. Uh-huh. If I had to, if I had to guess, but yeah, for this, for this exercise, uh, I'll make him a, a guard here. And then just to finish, finish out my offense, uh, I might as well give me Sam Cosby. It's kind of the same situation. Um, has only started one game at guard, uh, but he's graded out pretty well as a tackle and has graded out really well as a run, uh, as in terms of the run blocking, uh, in terms of PFF. And now they're going to bounce him inside and they feel pretty good about it because of those run blocking PFF grades. All right. Yeah. Tyler Smith is interesting. I thought about taking Tyler Smith and putting him at a tackle spot, but I mean, that's kind of what he was drafted to be. He played there last year, but he's going to be guard this year. I guess I could have, maybe I should have done that, but he played left tackle, which is where Andrew Thomas plays. So you would have had to move a guy. And although it looked good on a graphic, I don't know about moving Andrew Thomas to right tackle. So uh, didn't go that route, but uh, I'll go ahead. I'll finish out my receivers here. Give me, give me Jahan Dotson uh, and then give me Brandon cooks. So yeah. I mean, that, that's really – those those are the options. You're not taking anybody else there. Uh, Jahan Dotson didn't have the most productive year as a rookie, but he had 14.9 yards per reception and seven touchdowns. I think he's super shifty, good out of the slot. Brandon Cooks can be the field stretcher. Like, it's incredible the awful quarterbacks that Brandon Cooks has had to play with, and he just continues to turn in quality seasons. And, you know, he's coming off of a 699-yard season with three touchdowns, but – that was with Davis Mills as his quarterback, and he still put up 700 yards. So uh, I like Cooks. I thought that was a steal of a pickup for Dallas. Uh, I thought it was a great move by them. Yeah, I totally, totally agree on Cooks. I think he's in for a big year in Dallas, which is annoying. It's funny that you say the bad quarterback thing about about uh, about Cooks because at the beginning of his career – he couldn't stop playing with good quarterbacks. He played with Breeze in like the. Uh oh. Mark for Mark froze. So I'm gonna. Before he got kind of exposed today. That. Uh, you're back now. My back. Yeah, you're back now. All right, all right. It's funny that you said that about Cooks though, because he played with elite quarterbacks at the beginning of his career. He had the run with Breeze early on, which then he went to Brady. Then he went mm-hmm. to LA, which not an elite quarterback per se, obviously with golf, but they were at like the peak of their offense with Gurley. Like that offense was scoring a ton. He was part of it. He was wide receiver one of it until Cup and Woods came along. And then he went to play with Deshaun Watson, I believe, for one year. And yeah. then it's been two years of, of trash in Houston since then. But it's, it's you know, it, it finally comes back a little bit to the middle. He's been on the two extremes of only elite quarterbacks or the worst quarterback in the NFL. Uh, And so now it's a little bit closer to the middle. Yeah. All right. That puts you back on the clock here. Give me a couple more names. Um, I'll look at edge since I didn't do either of them yet. And give me one in terms of the D end, I guess, give me Josh sweat. So add another Eagle to my defense here, (laughs) (laughs) but he's, I, I think Josh Sweat is pretty easily the pick here. I think was he also your number three edge? Uh, or- well, yes, basically he was technically my number two edge because I listed Hassan Reddick yeah. as a linebacker at first, and then I was like, well, but he's not really 
he's more of an edge. So yeah, that's who I had as number three, essentially. 11 sacks last year. Yeah. I mean, he seven and a half the year before six the year before that. 10th and pass rush win rate, 51 pressures on the season. One of my, I was actually thinking about getting a sweat Jersey when I was, when I was asked, cause I think, I think I'm getting a Kelly green Jersey as a gift from, from someone in my life. When I was asked like, who do I want? I was like, hmm, might go outside of the box with a Josh sweat might be one of my favorite players on the team. Just to throwing that out there, but Jason, I'm going with Jason Kelsey. Can't that Jersey can't go bad. Anyway, That's true. next pick staying with edge. Give me Kayvon Thibodeau. Ooh, it's nice. not exactly. I know you could go with Montez sweat. You could go with Brandon Graham. You can go with another name that I'm forgetting right now. Um, but Dexter uh, Lawrence. Well, I have him at uh, you're, you. Or, sorry, not at, not Dexter Lawrence. Uh, hold on, I can't. I'm looking up how to spell Kayvon Thibodeau's name, and I can't think while I'm doing that. <laughs> so, you double check me there. No, you're right. Okay, so uh, <laughs> uh, Demarcus Lawrence is what I meant, not Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, that's so fair. I, I had him. I had Demarcus Lawrence ranked higher. Just simply, he was first in run stop win rate among wow. edge rushers last year. Seventy pressures, seven sacks, elite run defender. So, I kind of had him there as like a, if I don't get the elite pass rushers I want, I could at least get like an elite run stopper. So, but Kevon Thibodeau definitely has a lot of upside. Yeah, that's more of a bet on him becoming what we thought he'd become. All right. Uh, let me – I got behind you on picks here somehow. Yeah, so. just finish out the offense. Yeah, I'll finish out my offensive line. I'm going to take Andrew Thomas as my offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think Andrew Thomas – or I guess is my left tackle. Uh, he allowed four sacks last year, only committed two penalties, number 10 uh, in pass block win rate. Uh, he's really good, especially you know coming off that rookie season that was really disappointing. Uh, I thought he rebounded really nicely and put himself up there with like, you know, the, in the discussion for all pro perennial, all pro. So uh, then center, uh, I'm going to go with a rookie. Give me John Michael Schmitz, a guy yep. that I didn't like as much as dives did, but he's the second option here. And I still had a good grade on John Michael Schmitz. So uh, I think the giants are building a really good offensive line. And then for my other offensive tackle, uh, I'm going to take Tyron Smith. Now, the thing with Tyron Smith is he doesn't play football. Two of the last three seasons, he's only played, he's played less than five games, but injuries are off. I'm not yeah. worried about that. I know he was, he struggled last year. He's coming off an injury and switching to right tackle. So I, I think he's been a good player for a long time. I think he can make that switch. So uh, I'll take Tyron Smith to finish out my offensive line. A lot of Cowboys on Shane's roster. Yeah, some would say that I'm a Cowboy fan, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> How did I end up with – I've got five, six, seven. I've got eight. Eight, eight Cowboys and only four Eagles on my roster. I've got nine Eagles. That's how I guess that happens. I will um, not be I will not be taking any more Cowboys, though. So <laughs> I thought I thought you'd take Terrence Steele there over Tyron Smith. Okay. Um, and then in terms of center, I would take John Michael Schmitz as well because it's either him or Tyler – Biedos, uh-huh. and he's like below average at this point. Like he's had multiple years below average. So I'm saying like I'd rather bet on John Michael Schmitz to at least be average, and maybe yeah. he's really good. Like that's Agreed. kind of what you're getting there. Um, so that, that's a good pick. Uh, and then at linebacker, these picks stink. These are the two worst players on the board. Give me Kobe Dean. I'll I'll keep I'll keep drafting him in everything we do. Um, I believe in him. I think he's going to be awesome this year. I, I can't wait to watch him. Um, and then linebacker, I'll take Leighton Vanderesh. Not happy about it. That's that's who I would have had as well. Don't think uh, he's good at football. Yeah. Okay, I will finish off my defense here on the defensive interior defensive line. I'll take Deron Payne. Uh, Deron Payne had a heck of a year last year. 11 and a half sacks. He had 49 pressures. Now, that's abnormal production for him but he's a very good football player coming off probably the best year of his career. Uh, and then for my cornerback, I'll take Adore Jackson and I'll plug him in. That finishes out my team. That just leaves you with a safety pick left. Yeah, I guess I, it's kind of weird how many safeties the Cowboys have. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. I, I don't know like which which Cowboys sh- safety am I taking? Am I taking J. Ron Curse? Am I taking Donovan Wilson? Uh, you know, uh, this is a it's a tough call. Curse is a bit more of a obviously a bit more of a journeyman, uh, I guess you'd say. Donovan Wilson a bit more out of nowhere. Like, I mean, I feel like you have to take Reed Blankenship at this point. It's <laughs> a good point. I'll take Donovan Wilson. I think he graded out better last year. I'm not looking at it right in front of me, um, but I'll take Donovan Wilson. Yeah, I'm not. That's not a great pick. That's who I would. That's I mean, that's the guy I would have taken. So. Okay. Okay. So there are our teams. It's up on the screen. If you're watching live, if you're listening on uh, podcasting apps later, we'll post this out from social media. You can check it out on the Chalk Talk NFL, Chalk Talk underscore NFL account on Twitter. I'm sure Mark and I will retweet it, but. My offense is quarterbacked by Jalen Hurts, so this game's over and I won. Uh, yeah. Next, no, uh, running back is Tony Pollard. My pass catchers are Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Brandon Cooks, tight end Dallas Goddard. My offensive line from left to right is Andrew Thomas, Landon Dickerson, John Michael Schmitz, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith. Mark's offense is quarterbacked by Dak Prescott with running back Saquon Barkley. Receiving trio of A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and C.D. Lamb, and tight end Darren Waller. His offensive line from left to right is Jordan Mailata, Tyler Smith, Jason Kelsey, Sam Cosme, and Lane Johnson. On defense, my defensive front is Micah Parsons, Dexter Lawrence, Duran Payne, and Hassan Reddick. Linebackers Bobby Okereke and Jamin Davis. My cornerbacks are Stephon Gilmore, Trevon Diggs, and Adora Jackson with safety duo Xavier McKinney and Malik Hooker. Mark's defense has a defensive front of Josh Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Leonard Williams, and Kevon Thibodeau. Linebackers, Nicobe Dean and Leighton Vander Esch. Cornerback trio, James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and Avante Maddox with safeties Cameron Curl and Donovan Wilson. And my Mark- kicker, um, since I am the only person on this podcast who respects kickers, uh, my kicker will be Jake Elliott, the only kicker worth respecting. The only kicker whose name you know. The only kicker who kicked a kick to allow me to go to a Super Bowl parade. All right. Fair enough. Uh, guys that you thought might get drafted that didn't. Anything that surprised you here? Um, hmm. No, not, not really. I, I'm trying to, I guess Jalen Carter is really the one. Um, but that just comes down to how many good players there are at that position. Uh-huh. Um, we talked about Terrence Steele. Um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's Terrence Steele and Jalen Carter, and then it comes down to the I think the the Cowboys safety conundrum. Yeah, yeah. For me, Demarcus Lawrence, Montez yeah, Sweat, yeah. both guys deserving of being drafted, but the NFC East is pretty stacked when it comes to their defensive fronts. So, uh, I, I would have pro- I would have gone Lawrence over KT, but I certainly understand the argument for KT. And apart from that, that's pretty much everybody that I had ranked. So, all and right. Then, so so anyway. if we were ranking head coaches here, it's Sirianni one, uh, Dable two. Dable. Yeah, yeah. It's Sirianni and Dable would be the two that get drafted. I'm trying to think coordinators. I guess Dan Quinn for sure. How high, how high, if we're drafting coaches, how high in the draft does the head coach go? Not high because I think Sirianni and Dable are, are close to equal. Yeah, that's the right answer. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have drafted a head coach. I would have let you pick probably. Dan Quinn, maybe. Dan Quinn would go high. I, I would draft Dan Quinn very high. Oh. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. Martindale did a really good job with New York last year. He I did. guess that's the argument against them. If Martindale is going to be your defensive coordinator, you better be drafting corners early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Both of us have pretty good corners, though. So, yeah, I guess I guess it wouldn't go that high because I do think Martindale's probably a top ten DC, maybe a top five to seven DC. So yeah, I guess it wouldn't. I guess yeah, offensive coordinators there aren't really any because Steichen got hired away. The yeah. Cowboys stupidly took out a gun and shot themselves in the foot and fired like one of the best parts of their organization and Kellen Moore. Um, the giants did no Kafka's still there. 
Um, yeah, but know, he's not, he doesn't really yeah. count. Like, he's not the guy. No, he's not. Oh, Biennemi. Duh. Uh, yeah, yeah. Biennemi would actually go high. It would be hard to parse out, like, coordinators versus head coach since so many of the head coaches call yeah. offensive plays and stuff. And Sirianni and Dable are offensive guys, so it's kind of like it, – So, is Brian Johnson fully calling plays for the Eagles this year? This as far as I know, game. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes and see if Sirianni's more involved or kind of maintains the same level of involvement. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. All right. So those are our NFC East teams. You guys will have to let us know on Twitter who you think won. Uh, Mark, we're under an hour. So we've got two choices. We can end the podcast or we can go a couple <laughs> rapid fire topics I've got on my mind here. Yeah, t- fire them. Cowboys, Zach Martin holding out in training camp. What are your <laughs> thoughts? Meh. Cowboy, Meh. it does seem like they have a lot of situations brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say the closer we get to by the way, fun little thing. I just I should have I totally forgot. We drafted 14 Eagles, 12 Cowboys, 11 Giants, and seven commanders. Okay. Fun, fun Interesting. topic. Yeah. There. Um, but the gap between the Cowboys and Giants keeps shrinking for me. Like I, I'm kind of at the point now where I view them the same. Like I think they're both going to be around a 10 win team. Um, I think that there's reason for optimism and pessimism with both teams. Like I could see either team kind of flaming out and winning seven games and getting, you know, either McCarthy fired or Daniel Jones, you know, on the hot seat. Uh, so I, I do think that there's downsides for both teams, but I'm viewing them as the the clear fourth and fifth best teams in the NFC. Uh, but I'm kind of the closer we get, I'm cl- I'm kind of moving Dallas further away from that top tier, which is for me, Philly and San Fran. That's for most people. And then Seattle. I, I have Seattle as a legitimate, legitimate contender in the NFC. So Dallas is just a, a tick below. And it's in part because they just have all these situations brewing. Are they going to bring Zeke back? Are they going to pay Zach Martin? I think there's an, then there's someone else holding out. Uh, not that's coming to my mind right now, but it's possible. Pollard was the contract situation as well, but he's not holding out. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just look at Zach Martin, the clear best right guard in football. He's a hall of fame player. He's criminally underpaid. Just pay the guy. Like don't play this game. And then for Jerry Jones to get on the media, he's like, well, it's not just about that. He's got to do his little media tour. And he's like, but we got to pay like CD lamb and we got to pay like Micah Parsons. And they announced the Trevon Diggs thing. Like the stupidest thing you can do when a veteran player, that's been a career cowboy wants a little more money. The stupidest thing you can do is say, well, we're not going to pay you and start talking about all the other players that you have to pay. So I think they're really mismanaging that and just pay the guy and get him in camp. That's that seems like a disaster brewing to me. Yeah. Jerry Jones. Yeah. It's a disaster. I, there's a chance this Cowboys season goes spectacularly down in flames. When you give Mike McCarthy more, mm-hmm. like more responsibility and Kellen Moore, like I just said, was one of the things that worked on that organization. Um, there's definitely kind of spectacular failure potential. Yeah. All right. Let's throw it outside the NFC East uh, and talk about another spectacular disaster and an owner that should keep his mouth shut. Let's talk about Jim Ursay and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is now holding out on the last year of his rookie deal. Um, apparently he met for an hour with Jim Ursay and then demanded a trade. Uh, here's my thing for the Colts. The Colts had a franchise, a generational guy in Andrew Luck, right? And they didn't invest in the offensive line. They gave him no weapons. The guy retired early. They just went and got a quarterback. Some would call him a generational athlete in Anthony Richardson. And now you're sitting here and you're quibbling with Jonathan Taylor and he wants to trade. Like, what are we doing? I think you can easily make an argument. The Colts do not have a top 50 receiver in the NFL on their roster. And they don't have like a top 25 tight end. They do have a top running back. Like, Jonathan Taylor's like 24 years old. You could give the guy four years, $50 million. That would make him the second highest paid running back in the NFL. 
He comes off. He helps you out right now with Anthony Richardson coming on. Yeah, you're not going to go in a Super Bowl this year, but let's not ruin your rookie. And you know what? That contract, it comes off your books before you have to pay Richardson. Like you have the best asset in pro sports right now, a quarterback on a rookie contract. You can afford to pay a running back. He's literally the only thing your offense has that's above average. It drives me crazy. Like we've gone too far with the running backs things. And like Miles Sanders last year, I said, let him walk. He's not what makes this run. You have Jalen Hurts. You've got the best offensive line in football. You've got these established things. The Colts don't have that. Give your offense a little stability and pay Jonathan Taylor. I just don't get why they're playing chicken with him. I think they're worried about his body. Um, and I think that they might know more than we know. In general, I agree with you. And I, it's also like, it doesn't matter what you're spending on these next two years. You're not competing in terms of a Super Bowl these next two years. So even if it was a short-term deal where you give them a three-year deal and the third year is kind of fake, and the first two years you give them at least a lot of money, guaranteed up front at least that's something like that would be a, a conversation to have and it seems like they're not even having that um yeah so so that's that's where i would say i do think there's a chance that they think he's already a health risk and he's gotten a lot of carries already so yeah. i i do kind of understand where they're coming from if that's the case um but like you said you can't give anthony richardson nothing to work with right let's see I feel like I had one other random thing that I was going to hit on, but I can't remember what it was. Staying staying on the running back topic, do you think they should shorten the rookie contract for running backs? Is that the is that the fix? You know, it's interesting to see to talk about how you fix that. Like, I've heard that like you. That's the only thing I've heard that makes sense to me. So here's a couple. Here's a couple. So you could allow them to enter the draft earlier because the reality is they spend the prime of their career in college playing for free. And now there's NIL and that'll help a little bit too, but you could allow them to come in earlier. You could shorten the contracts, but is that, I feel like that's just going to make people draft running backs even later. If you only get them for two years or three years, they're just going to fall further in the draft, which also hurts their pay. Um, I think that, I think the way you fix the running back thing is to have like some sort of pool of money that does not the salary cap. It's not like salary cap money. Like the NFL makes so much money, have a pool of money that's divided amongst running backs based on workload or based on yardage or something like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what the amount would be to make that substantial, but let teams pay their running backs. However, they're going to pay them. And then there's this like hazard pay or something like that pool from the NFL. But my fear there, then maybe this is you'd have to game theory this and see is that you get a team like the Eagles, which they're not going to pay running backs anyways, but you get a team like the Eagles that's like, hey, we're only going to pay you $2 million. But think of all the yards you could rack up in this offense to get that hazard pay that's uncapped or whatever. So Teams might try to game that system too, and it might make running backs get paid even less. But that's the best solution I've thought of so far that I've heard. Yeah, it seems like every system is just going to get gamed because they're not actually that valuable. That's kind of the dirty little, dirty little problem here. Like it, it's yeah. Counterpoint. It's not that running backs aren't valuable; it's that they're replaceable. Like running backs are valuable. And having a running game that works is valuable. Yeah. Especially as teams start to go into more of these too high defenses, the league is shifting that way. The problem is teams have become so good at getting rushing yards out of whomever they put back there, as Mm -hmm. long as you're a requisite athleticism. So it's not that the running game's not important. It's that a lot of people can make the running game function with the way these coordinators are able to scheme things up now and the way defenses are starting to play the pass. So I think that's the real issue. And I do think down the road, you'll see, you know, these athletes are going to stop playing running back. Like there will be a downgrade in running back talent. And I mean, I, I would say like, you know, if you're the five-star athlete, you shouldn't be, maybe you should stay at running back if you're really good at it. But even the really good guys, like they don't get contracts anymore. It just doesn't happen. So, and I think teams have gone too far with that. Like, I think you can pay Nick Chubb. I think you can pay health, you know, assuming health. I think you can pay Jonathan Taylor. Like, 
you can structure these contracts in a way that they're not going to kill you in the short term. I'm not saying you should go give them a 10-year contract, but you can pay a running back 10, 11, 12 million dollars and be fine. Talking about structuring a contract poorly, this isn't really, I mean, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. Why did Saquon Barkley sign that? What, I, are, what are you doing? So here's my thought. So the incentives are basically like he would have only reached those incentive numbers once in his career. So two things is signing it. He got the signing bonus up front, which he doesn't do with the franchise tag. So if he wanted money now, that could be part of it uh, instead of it just all being paid out via game checks. It's all guaranteed on the tag, but it's paid out as game checks. So there wouldn't be the 2 million signing bonus. The other thing I can think of is he knew he was going to lose the holdout, the game of chicken. And so it gave him a way out to save face without having to just show up with his tail between his legs and sign the tag. So that's more what I think it was. I think it was, I made my point. I'm not going to win. Give me these incentives. Let me sign a deal and get back to camp. So that's kind of what I think happened. How do you not make them like, how do you make it so that you can get tagged again next year? Yeah, that's just brutal. Daniil Hunter was able to get them to not give him that. Yeah, he, he's a full free agent next year now. Like he was able to make it so that like you can't kind of own me after this. So, yeah, just feels like Saquon should fire his agent. Yeah, and it sucks. You know, you got like Josh Jacobs is holding out right now, and honestly, I think it sucks. But I think if you're the running back, you sign the tag and you play on it because that's the best contract you're going to get. You're not going to go to free agency and get a better contract than that. So it sucks to play that tag game and have to bet on yourself, especially when the deck is stacked against you. But I really don't know what the move is for, for running backs in terms of the NFL. The move is hire whoever David Montgomery had as an agent this off season for him to get three years, 18 million and 11 guaranteed while he's always been just a guy. Like I, that's, that that contract looks insane right now. The fact that he was able to get that and Miles Sanders got four years, 26 million with 13, basically 19 million guaranteed mm-hmm. out of that. That's insane. How, how did that happen? Yeah. And Saquon got one for 11 with some incentives that he's not going to hit probably. Right. Like it's crazy that, 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 in terms of whoever Miles Sanders and Montgomery's agents are and whoever Saquon's agent is, and I understand that every situation and every team and every you know everything's different, but those contracts aged like milk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't know what the solution is, but hopefully the hopefully the NFLPA is able to come up with something in like the next CBA. Cause I mean, I don't want to see those guys getting let and you know, we're podcasters here lamenting millionaires, but the truth is it's not, it's not that it's a, they're, they're getting, they're getting shafted on this deal and they shouldn't. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think it's fair to call that out. And at the same time, I'm happy my team didn't pay a running back, which just shows that like now, nah, I mean, I'd pay Jonathan Taylor, but it just shows that there there's a tension there between like, I want my team to make the best decisions analytically bear it out. But also you've got these guys that are, they're being used used up basically when they're on a cost controlled contract. And it's the only position that doesn't get a second contract. Everybody else, if you're good, you get a second contract. And they was, I can't remember which, I think it was Josh Jacobs said it, that like it, it hurts you to be good because then they give you more carries and then they use that against you when it comes time to contract, negotiate your contract. So it's kind of a mess. The average kicker makes more than the average running back. It's wild. It's insane stat. I mean, and Mar- it's obviously and Mark doesn't smooth, even think but... kickers should have jobs. No, they shouldn't. It's a joke. But it's obviously skewed, skewed because uh, obviously like all the rookie running backs that get brought in and day three draft picks that get brought in um, and undrafted guys. But still, it's just still a fun stat. Yeah. All right. Well, I still haven't thought of what the other thing was that was on my mind. So I may have to save that for next week. But Mark, do you have any final thoughts or uh, anything you want to plug the floor is yours. Uh, you can take us down another rabbit trail if you want to, or whatever, whatever you want to do. My final thought, Shane is keep my coach's name out your mouth. 
You're supposed to say keep my keep my co-host name out your mouth. Yeah, keep keep my co-host name out your mouth. Yeah. Oh my god. That, that, how funny is that story? The the all yeah. that stuff. Do you think it really was that Sean Payton forgot that you know he was a head coach and can't just say what he thinks? And what he said was he left his fox hat on and he forgot he was the Broncos coach. Or do you think that this is Sean Payton's roundabout way of doing like the Russell Wilson isn't cooked media tour. And he decided to go scorched earth on Hackett because it's the <laughs> obvious thing to do. Like, what do you, th- is it more calculated or was it more shooting the breeze? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like it can be, I feel like it's probably calculated. Like, he's been a coach for so long and he was an analyst for such a short time and he wasn't even a particularly good or interesting one. <laughs> like he didn't say things like that when he was an analyst, you never even heard yeah. the things he said cause he was boring. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's that. I think there's, I think there's a little bit of, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know if it's like, I guess at the end of the year, if it goes well, he can be like, yeah, like I said, it was the worst coaching job. Look what I did. And if it goes badly, he can be like, yeah, we couldn't eat one year is not even enough time to, I, I really have no idea. Uh, but to say that Nate Hackett did the worst coaching job ever when urban Meyer literally exists is just wild. Ha- it was pretty bad though. It was bad. It, if urban Myers didn't exist, the claim would not be ridiculous. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it was that bad. I mean, we talked about it every week here. It was it was the worst besides Urban Meyer in the last two years of this podcast for sure. How? Uh, what if? What if he was? Um, what if we were podcasting when Nick Saban coached the Dolphins? Well, they went like six and ten, right? At least they were like they were like competent, kind of. They went. Let's see. They were like okay. They finished okay. They never. They finished nine and seven. I. Oh, they started wow. three and seven. Wow, that's crazy. Actually. And then I remember they won. They, yeah, they won like their last six games. And then I remember he like left a note in the locker room telling yeah. the team he was leaving. He didn't even tell them. So it's kind of gangster. Yeah. Give him credit. So, anyways, yeah. Keep my co-host name out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, that is gonna wrap it up here for this episode of Chalk Talk. Uh, if you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do, smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. We're going to start a series going through divisional uh, breakdowns and previews over the next four weeks. We will have a let's see, we'll have four weeks doing two divisions. We'll do our Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl winner draft thing like we did last year. That'll be the fifth week, and that gets us right to the regular season. So we've got it mapped out. Excited to get you guys ready for the season and journey through it with you. So make sure you've got that subscribe button smash so you don't miss any of those episodes. Drop us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, Threads, and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next time.